0: Hey, welcome to the C3 Victory Podcast. We're praying this message encourages you, grows your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for joining us. It's Pentecost Sunday and that means something. That means something. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, we, 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 we are very good at living our lives based on uh, a calendar that we're all very familiar with. Uh, who knows that life for many families runs based on the calendar of school holidays, right? Terms dictate uh, many of our lives, uh, and they are a, a particular thing. They are a set set of dates. Sometimes I wish schools would release those dates a little earlier, just for my planning benefit. Uh, but, but needless to say, um, we live our lives according to these. Now, and there, is, there is a reality that when we come into the kingdom of God, when we get born again, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, there are suddenly some, some significant moments in the life of the Kingdom of Heaven that we begin to orient our life around. Easter. Easter is significant to us because of what it points to because of what it reminds us about, because it reminds us of the cross, the resurrection, our capacity to receive forgiveness, salvation, all that is wrapped up in Easter. Easter suddenly becomes a very significant moment in the year of a believer. So too, Christmas, the birth of our Saviour, the moment God put flesh on, came to earth, you know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Christmas has a significance. And we should be okay with understanding that these moments that we read about in Scripture begin to dictate significant moments in our Christian life in the same way that we would say term dates or, or you know, those sorts of things dictate our physical world. And Pentecost is another one of those moments. Right, it's not, it's not like suddenly something special happens every single Pentecost. But this Sunday points back to a significant moment in the life of the church. It was the moment that God, that Jesus had spoken about when He was on earth. He said, listen, there's going to come a day. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm leaving the planet. I'm going to sit on the throne. But I am not leaving you alone. I am sending you my spirit. And when that Spirit comes, you will enter into a new way to live life. You will enter into a life that is Spirit-filled, that is Spirit-fueled. And don't do anything as a believer until that happens. That's basically the message to His disciples. Don't start evangelizing. Don't go out amongst the people. Don't do anything for the kingdom of heaven until you receive the Holy Spirit and that's why Pentecost is important that's why Pentecost is significant because Pentecost is the day that that happened that if you want to read about it it's in Acts it's like just after you know the Gospels right you can find it in your Bible there is a moment where God poured out His Spirit on the earth and the disciples were in a, they were in a room they were in a prayer meeting right a lot of God moves in prayer meetings I think we've got one more worship and prayer night this year. Is that correct? Well, we've got two more. Two more worship and prayer nights this year. Can I tell you, don't miss being in a prayer meeting, particularly a prayer meeting where we are believing that we are shifting things in the Spirit and we are expecting God to begin to move on our lives in a way that shifts us to be effective for the Kingdom of Heaven. Right? We're We're not just playing church. We are, we are believing that we are being effective for the kingdom of heaven. Don't miss being in the prayer meeting. The disciples were in a prayer meeting and it was in that moment, they didn't know it was coming, right? Don't come to a prayer meeting just so you think you get something. No, 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 no. You come to a prayer meeting because you're hungry. They were hungry. They were waiting. You know, Pastor Beck talked about it. 50 days, Pentecost, Easter to Pentecost, 50 days. They were waiting, they were waiting. They had this promise from Jesus. Say, hey, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Some of you are in between a promise and a reality. It's coming, it's coming. God's faithful, God's faithful. Okay, it doesn't always happen on our timeline. It doesn't always happen in the way we want it to happen. 50 days later in a prayer meeting, God's like, this is the moment. (sighs) Pours out His Spirit like a wind, like fire from heaven, like these descriptors of what power and life itself is like when it comes into our natural sphere. And that's Pentecost. And that's why every year we have a bit of an expectation that as we remember that moment, we can expect that God is going to do some other things through His Spirit as we gather to remember that moment. And you know, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, there's this guy called Ezekiel. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. And he was actually a prophet in the time where Israel was, was at its most lost. He prophesied into what we would call the, the period of the exile. The period where, where Israel had actually as a nation been split apart, defeated and destroyed. And they had been carried off into slavery by other nations. And it's into this moment that Ezekiel actually prophesies that there will be a time coming where there will be a a new temple. And it's in Ezekiel chapter 47. Uh, And you can can read the whole thing yourself if you want. I'm just going to pull out a few things as we go because there is something critical that we have to kind of grab a hold of um, out of this passage this morning. He starts off by saying, in my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Now, you know this this man. Scholars would sort of say that this man is is highly probable uh, Jesus. Jesus taking Ezekiel around and showing him the new temple of the the, the future temple. Israel was their whole mindset was was based on the temple and worship and encounter occurring in this place but we know the new testament says very clearly that we are the temple of the holy spirit and he's showing him this future temple Jesus is showing the prophet and the prophet is writing it down for the people so that they had they had something that they could hold a ho- uh, grab a hold of while they were in exile and he says as i came back to the entrance of the temple there i saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side for the stream or the river to be flowing out the door then the beginning of the stream must be inside because because you can read the whole previous passage, it's very descriptive, or you can do what I do and Google Ezekiel's temple into images, and people have done a lot of hard work for you and they've taken like eight passages of scripture and they put it in a picture, right? Picture tells a thousand words, that's my game. And um, And you can see the river, it doesn't start outside, it just flows out from within. And if something just flows out from within, but it's nowhere else around, then then we must assume that the start of that river, the beginning of the river, what fuels that river is inside the temple. And it's interesting because if we take this passage and we overlay a passage of the New Testament on top of this, we find something very, very interesting that Jesus says. He says it in John He says in in John, what's my scripture, Uh, 7, John 7, 37 to 38, he says this, I want you to keep in mind this this image of, of the temple, the understanding of the New Testament that we are the temple. And then hear this, words of Jesus. He says this, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Have, have you ever had a time in your life where you have been thirsty, not just in your body, but thirsty in your soul? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you know you're missing something. Like there is a satisfaction that nothing in this world can, can satisfy. There is, a, there is a desire, C.S. Lewis says, there is a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy. It's like we try, we go after career, and we go after finance, and we go after relationships, and we go after these things that we think will satisfy our soul, but somewhere in there we're still thirsty. And Jesus is like, if that's you, come to me, for anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares that rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Other translations say that there will be a spring of living water in your heart. And right here we get exactly the same. We get Jesus hundreds of years later painting a very real picture for us of what Ezekiel prophesied where we, the temple, would have a spring in us that ultimately would flow out from us to impact the world around us, and the reality as, is that as believers, we should live a life that is built on this spring, this Holy Spirit, this, this living water that is bubbling up within us and flowing out from us. There should be an absolutely distinguishing, recognizable life that is within us. I'm not just talking about the fact that you're living or you're happy or you've got a moment of peace, I'm talking about life. Like the very life source of eternity is the Holy Spirit. The thing that that God breathed into Adam as He formed him out of the dust, as He breathed on him. The, The Holy Spirit, life itself, came into him. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. The thing that can take you from death to life itself. That's the spring of living water. And Ezekiel is very clear when he says that temple, that temple is built on that thing. And if our lives are a temple of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, our life has to be built on the Holy Spirit. Some of you this morning, you're trying to douse your life with a hose. And you are not built on a spring of living water. You are trying to access the water that is flowing out of other people's lives around you. You are trying to garner a little bit of refreshment from the overflow of the spring in other people's lives. But the truth is, you know it and you've known it for a while. You are not built on the spring. It might have been there uh, many years ago, but right now, you know, it's not flowing. It's not bubbling inside of you. There's no light. I'm not talking about you wake up and your kids have been up all night and you're tired. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... That you know, your life is not built on the Holy Spirit, on the spring of living water. It's not flowing out of you, it's barely bubbling in you, it's blocked up with all kinds of stuff. I'm telling you this morning, one moment can get that unlocked. One moment, and the Spirit of God will come and He will, he will fill you again with life. Real life bubbling in you like this inner sort of energy and excitement and power. Living water. And the thing with the, the thing with the river is that the first thing we're told about it is that the river flows. The river flows. You know, there is movement. When your life is built on the Spirit, there is a flow, there is a movement, there is a momentum that you aren't in control of. There is is something to do with surrender to the, the, to, the, to the direction and the flow of the Spirit that you have to be willing to engage in to be led by the Spirit. You have to give up trying to control every component of your life because there are some things that the rivers flow will move in you and through you that you cannot contain or control and you have to be okay with the fact that you now have a living spring in you and it's going to start flowing. It's got movement and momentum and traction. I'm telling you, a spirit-filled, life-believer that is built on the spring, we don't get stuck. And if you're stuck this morning, I want to pray that this morning you will have a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit where His, His living water will begin to flow again. You see, when you're living in that river, a river has a natural path. The river dictates the path. And we know God has a plan for our lives. God's directing things. The river is moving on a path that it has carved out before the foundations of the world. It says you are called before the foundations, right? Like there is a river that is flowing that is supposed to be directing and dictating your life and giving your life a momentum and a movement and traction and energy and these things. And as a believer, we're not supposed to have a life that is stuck and stale and stagnant and like icky kind of mud, like we don't know what we're doing or where we're going. No, we're supposed to have a sense of the Spirit moving in and through us all. that, that That's what life in the Spirit is supposed to be. And some of you this morning need to be set free. Some of you this morning need to be unlocked because you're stuck. You're stuck in the mud of all kinds of things. I could go through those things, but it's not necessary because you know that you're stuck. You know that you've stopped moving in this flow of the Holy Spirit. And then further down, Jesus is... I'll just say Jesus. it, it, It doesn't actually say. So we'll say the man. The man shows Ezekiel around. He starts to show him the river and the river is getting deeper and deeper and deeper the further it moves out of the temple, all right? The greatest expression of the Holy Spirit moving in someone's life should not be in the temple, okay? It should not be in this gathering that we call the temple, right? This gathering is a great thing, a significant thing, an important thing. And it is the place where most of us access the spring, but the river is supposed to flow from this place. It's actually supposed that the experience of the river is supposed to get deeper the further we move from the gathered community of believers. We are supposed to be here and then we are supposed to move out and we are supposed to take the river flowing with us. It is supposed to get deeper and deeper the further we go. Some of the greatest experiences of the Holy Spirit in people's lives are going to happen beyond... This moment, but some of you need to access the spring because you don't get a river without the spring. And it's interesting because after showing him all of these things about the river throughout Ezekiel forty-seven, he's showing him all of this stuff. He he makes this very interesting statement. And if we believe that this is a, a, a the technical term for all our scholars out there is a Christology. There you go, Christophany. There we go. Yeah, got my back up on the front row right there. No, no, it's fine. Um, Jesus says to Ezekiel, I've moved on in my Bible, so give me a second. I'm stalling. Verse six, verse six is here on the screen. He asked, have you been watching? Have you been watching? Yeah, we can see life. Or we can see what the Spirit is doing in the world. And they're two very different things. We can see the world. We can see what's happening in the world. We can see opportunity. We can see businesses. We can can see progression. We can see... Or we can see what the Spirit is doing. Have you been watching? Even just in our community, have you been watching? Have you got eyes to see this morning what God is doing in this place? Have you got eyes to see the way God is bringing a freshness and a life and revival in this place? Can you see it? Because I'm telling you, I can see beyond right now. One of the things God began to show me as I'm walking, I'm a bit of a pacer in the front row, you might have noticed. I get all my steps up by the time I finish preaching, it's great. God God began to say to me, can you see, Nate? Can you see this congregation double? Can you see this congregation triple? And I began to see it. I began to see what God is doing in this place. I began to see what God is doing beyond this place. You see, the thing is, it's not going to get there if we don't get out of here. If we don't take the river, then the river doesn't get to do what it does in Scripture. If we read the rest of Ezekiel 47, what's really clear is that the river is fresh and pure water. And it says that it goes into the bitter and the salty waters of the Dead Sea. And it makes those waters clean and pure. This is what happens in our life. The river touches us, it cleanses us, it purifies us. I've got all these notes that we're not going to get to about how, how we are to be pure from the inside out, how the flow of the Holy Spirit in us purifies us from the inside out. It says wherever the river touches, it brings life. It brings life. Some of you are positioned by God into arenas in this world and you're like, my job sucks, it's difficult, it's tough, I don't like it. And God's like, you're supposed to bring life. You're supposed to bring light where it's dark. You are on mission for the kingdom of heaven. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. This is a blast from the past. Pray for our sound, guys. All right. It says, fish will abound in the Dead Sea." You' know what's really interesting about that is that throughout the New Testament, fish represent fruit of the kingdom of heaven. They represent people. They represent salvation. The first thing kind of that Jesus does is he gets Peter and he says, "You used to fish." Now you're going to be a fisher of men. This is what the kingdom is like. It's not natural, it's spiritual. You're not just going to fish for natural fish. You're changing lives. You're going to see people going from from death into life, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's what you're really doing. You're not just catching little things in the sea. You're catching people and you're bringing them into the house of God. And it says that the fish are in the dead sea. It doesn't say the fish are in the river. It says they're in the Dead Sea because the river hits the Dead Sea. And it says fishermen are all along the banks. So you've got to see yourself as a fisherman, fishing into the Dead Sea, knowing that the river of the Spirit flowing out of you is interacting with the fish in the Dead Sea, and suddenly they are ready to be caught for the kingdom of heaven. But we've got to have the spring. (laughs) Our life has to be built on the spring. And what's really interesting is that in John chapter 7, bouncing back between these two scriptures, Jesus yells out to people. He he cries out. This is the climax of the festival, right? I don't know if you've ever been to like the markets or festivals, right? They're pretty hubbub, bustling places, Right, there's a lot of noise, a lot of sound going on in this particular festival. You know, they would pour out water and all these things, and and for every day they would they would pour out this water as an offering to the Lord, and Jesus is standing there going, Are you thirsty? And where he says to Ezekiel, Are you watching? He says to those people without saying it, are you listening? Are you listening? to what the Spirit is saying? Do you come into this place with your eyes open and your ears open? The eyes of your heart and the ears of your spirit. Do you come into this place expecting to see something from the Lord about what He has... ...placed on your life or positioned you to do or an area of your life that He wants to transform you in? Or are you just going through the motions of showing up and and having church and going home... ...and wondering why your Christian life seems boring and stuck? I'm telling you, you have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying. That is the instruction in the letters of the churches in Revelation. It is, can you have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in these times... uh, This morning, are your ears open? Some of you are like, no, because you're yelling at me all the time. Sorry. Calm down. You know, beyond our salvation, I don't believe there is anything more important than for our life to be built on the Holy Spirit. I really don't. I don't believe we can genuinely do the life of a disciple of Christ without the Holy Spirit, without His strength, without His power. You know when it says in Scripture that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? That strength is from His Spirit. And it's not saying that you can do every one of your selfish ambitions in His strength. It's saying that you can do everything He's called you to, called you to overcome in your life, those temptations, those struggles, those those, those family historical things that you recognize uh, generation after generation is oriented in your family. You have the strength in you to be the one that breaks that and says, no longer You have the strength to speak about the name of Jesus in your workplace when it seems difficult. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, all things of the kingdom. I am convinced that there are many of you that need a fresh touch of the Spirit this morning that want a fresh touch of the Spirit this morning. That as I am talking about this life that is built on the spring, you recognize that you have a foundation, but it has shifted off the spring. I'm telling you, Jesus can shift it back in a moment. He can shift it back in a moment. Some of you this morning, there is an ache in you for an encounter with the Holy Spirit. There is an ache. It's like such a desire. I'm telling you, God is faithful. And when we seek Him, when we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. So we're about to go into a a time of worship. Our team's going to lead us. I want us to be a responsive church this morning. I want us to demonstrate a desire to come and meet with the Spirit. Can you do it in your seat? You can There's no theological, like I could talk to you about the altar down here, fire falls on. There's a lot I could say that comes from Scripture. But ultimately, I think the baseline is that moving out of your seat demonstrates a significant desire to shift from where you are and just get something from God. I also firmly believe 100% in the laying on of hands the impartation of the power of the spirit and i know that we have a prayer team and a pastoral team that have been praying this week ready to impart something into your life so my encouragement for you this morning is to respond to the holy spirit i believe so strong that this church is going to continue to grow and expand and have significant influence over our region and beyond, not because we drive for growth, but because there is a living spring in every one of us So when we come together in this place it is an undeniable expression and experience of the collective flow of the river of God that when we go out we carry something with us that this world doesn't know it needs but aches for and we've got to become a bold kingdom oriented people Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming messages. We would love for you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.